0: Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball, coaching, and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches,
1: and executives from all over the world, and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z
0: host, John Phyllis. Hey, Dr. C, what's going on?
1: Not too bad. Uh, well, it's kind of snowing outside, so which is good because we needed the snow. Uh, we've we've not had nice. we've not had as much snow in uh, Michigan, so or at least in Detroit area where I live.
0: It's funny, it started snowing here in New York about, I would say about 20 minutes to a half hour ago, I was getting ready for the, for the show. And I looked out my window. I was like, Oh, wait, this is, this is new. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited about just this perspective that you have on not just the medical side, but just going into in, in depth into that niche of, of, of sleep therapy. And it, it's so interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, thank you for having me and uh, say hi to hi to all your listeners and viewers. You said you put this on uh, YouTube too.
0: Yep. Yep. They'll be they'll be viewing. They'll, they'll be able to see the, the fantastic background behind you with all the all the amazing memorabilia from all the teams you work for.
1: Yeah. Thank you. You know, I I I absolutely love my work. I I, I really do. But when you get something, you know, like that, it's you know, any new memor um, any new ball or a glove or something like that, it's it just adds to the wall and then it reminds you that you have to continue to work hard.
0: It's definitely the, all serve as reminders for that. And just to get us started, I'm, I'm curious, when, when you were still in school and, and, and about to embark on this journey into, into, into your profession, what kind of made you realize to go down this path and, and what do those first steps look like for you?
1: You know, while I, I know that while I was in high school, what I knew I wanted to do is be a physician, to, so to be a doctor. And then when I did my training in sleep medicine, which is, you know, the study of sleep disorders or anything related to sleep. At that time, I realized that um, sleep has this very unique char- characteristic. It, you know, you can really utilize it to enhance performance and health uh, the next day. And that's what I wanted to work on. But how I started working with sports is really happenstance. I it just happened a few years ago. And I, in fact, you know, my first step into working with athletics was in with the local NFL team. And so I, I actually started with working with the pros. And of course, you know, after that, I guess what I did is, you know, I, I know I knew I, I know my subject sleep very well, but I had to really learn. About sports and you know athletes and the different sports, what their schedules are, um, what their lives are like, just so that I could help them with their sleep, and in fact, you know I would say to, to your audience, it's almost better to set small term goals you know because because and you have to be you have to sort of be agile and flexible because you sort of learn on the job and because that's exactly what I did i learned on the on the job and in in addition to reading i i think i also formed really good friends who were my allies so athletic trainers strength coaches um you know they all know a lot about the athlete they know about the game they know about their schedules so they're another set of people you can really learn from and um and, you know, when you, when you set short-term goals for yourself, then you can evaluate what's working and what's not working and use that to, you know, to go forward. So, yeah, I, w- I would say, you, because I think you mentioned that you have a lot of young people listening to this in to your podcast, right? And so, yep. you know, although it's always good to have a nice long-term goal, you really want to concentrate on short-term goals and sort of learn and be flexible and always... Um, you know, surround yourself with people who are like minded, you know, because that really helps you along that journey.
0: From the big picture point when you started working with leagues, what have you seen some of those organizations, whether they be the NBA, NFL, MLB, what have they all kind of, you, have you seen them do in terms of uh, sleep engagement for their athletes and making sure their athletes get the right sleep?
1: Well, so, you know, th- there has been a dramatic change in how much attention um, all the leagues are really paying to sleep. And um, you know, if, you, if you talk to old timers, uh, there was a time where you know, they would be like, for example, in Major League Baseball, they'd be playing for 24 hours. You know, 24 hours. So, so let's back up and just for your audience, just let's explain how most of the schedules work for most uh, leagues. So typically, you know they 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 get to a place, a destination, and um, they have to play a game that day or the next day. They typically have practices, they have you know they have treatments, uh, they may have press obligations, they may have other uh, obligations that their sponsors want them to do. Um, they will then play, and then, of course, they have to sleep either in their own bedrooms or they have to sleep in hotels. and after they're done with a game. Uh, typically they you know they pack up and get on a plane and they go to the next destination i mean that's how it works for most leagues uh you know for some for some sports they play three or four games in the same city on other sports um you know they'll they'll go um, they'll travel every time they have to go they have to play they they're actually going to a different city so a few years even a few years ago, there wasn't much interest in sleep but in, over the last, I would say five to six years, um, it started about 10 years ago, but especially in the last five to six years, there's been a lot of attention to how this constant travel, how um, jet lag, how um, the lack of sleep can affect performance as well as health the next day. So as you you know, in Major League Baseball, just in the last few years, they've made changes to their schedule so they're uh, they're t- trying to pay attention to how many miles um, a t- team is traveling or if they're doing how many back-to-backs they're doing because they want to reduce that I know in in the NHL um, you know in the CBA um, they they decided they wanted to make sure that they would get uh, they'd protect the players playtime uh, sleep time and in fact they made it they're the ones who, put it into the contract that, um, you know, NHL players could no longer sh- wouldn't, would no longer be sharing hotel rooms, which is good because it would protect their sleep time. You know, it would give them the privacy if they wanted to go back to the hotel room to take a nap, they'd be able to do that. So small things like that. So there has been a um, uptick in what the leagues are doing when it comes to protecting sleep. Of course, there's a lot of work still to be done.
0: Orson, you hear so many amazing success stories of, of some athletes really embracing the, these these new sleeping methods and, and really taking it seriously. Um, but can we talk a little bit about Andre Iguodala and, and he, he, him being one of the most famous um, NBA stories of someone that going into the 2015 NBA finals really changed, completely changed his approach to sleep and overcame what sleep deprivation that had plagued him for the the past 10 years of his career. What other stories like that have you, have you, have, can you kind of reflect on and and how do those all really uh, come into play?
1: So uh, so a couple of things I want to tell you, first of all. So what happened is that a few years ago, there was a study which was done in Stanford student athletes. And these were, uh, so it started with basketball players. And what they did is that they, it was a sleep extension study. And so over a period of six weeks, they made sure they were getting nine to 10 hours in, in bed. And they did that by, you know, having them um, keep a sleep diary and wear, um, uh, you know these devices to to make sure that they're getting enough rest and they found there was a significant increase in their performance so they were faster they were happier they were more energetic they were less depressed they were less less grumpy but also they were you know they were performing better on the court itself so there was a um, you know there was a significant improvement in their actual game and that was one of the things that led to people or, and the NBA being more aware of this fact. Now that um, the, the story that you're specifically talking about is of this uh, young player who was helped by Cherry Ma. She's a, you know, she's a fantastic researcher. And she basically worked with him and helped him almost improve his sleep habits. Because one of the things that I, this is for available for public record. One of the things he was doing is that he was, he'd be up late at night playing video games. And that would, and as a result, he'd go to bed only at between four and five, and then he'd wake up in the morning, you know, go play, and then, um, you know, take a long nap in the afternoon, and do this again and again, and he made those changes. And I think he won, was it MVP for that year?
0: Finals MVP in twenty
1: fifteen. Yep. Right, right, right. So he that he that's what he what happened, and of course, you know, the press has been, uh, the, you know, the story about how bad just the NBA schedule is. Making it difficult for the players to get enough, or even the team members get enough sleep, is really they've they've got a lot of um, they've they've written stories about it, which so so now it is you know they're they're more aware of it. Um, I I know I like on a personal basis I I work with a, a bunch of teams, not just in the NBA, but in the NBA, the the NFL, uh, MLB, as well as um, uh, the NHL. And the whole point is to, you know, to first of all, educate players and all team members, including um, strength coaches and, you know, all the coaches, the coaching staff, even the front office staff about the importance of sleep. And then, you know, give them pointers of how to manage the sleep, especially when they're traveling, how to manage the jet lag, et cetera. And, um, you know, I I work for the uh, uh, nationals in 2019 when they won the World Series. So uh, that was pretty neat. I, I got, they sent me a World Series ring, so, and they, they, they did really well. In fact, one of the things we were, we, I was working with them for was helping them uh, when they were traveling in away games and to make sure that their sleep was well protected and um, so that they, they showed up well rested.
0: Of course. And, and it's so interesting to think about how many times like, well, there's all the teams that you've worked for in the past and all the success that they've had through really taking sleep seriously. What, what, we, we've kind of, you touched on a little bit about the leagues and how the NBA schedule is, is a mess in terms of get, allowing players to get adequate sleep. Um, do you see the players get insufficient sleep at, at certain points, whether is it more in the regular season, in the playoffs, is there any is there research behind that on on when there, the times during the year cuz it, whether it's the off season that really players need to focus on sleep over anything else
1: so you know i and a, a group of authors just wrote a big paper on it's called the wake up call to nba and it's all about sleep and it describes the schedule in in detail but I, you know i would say i would say that there would be um multiple reasons why an NBA player at different points would not get enough sleep. Number one, of course, is just their schedule, right? So they could be playing two to three games, sometimes more per week. And the games are usually night games. They may finish with a night game and then they're, they may have some difficulty trying to fall asleep once they get, because, you know, they're all they're all physiologically aroused it's difficult for them to fall asleep, um, especially if they're in a hotel room or even in their own in their own homes. The second thing is typically they will play a game, they'll pack up, and they'll get on a plane to get to the next destination. Often they may occasionally they may fall asleep on the plane, and if they do so, then they have difficulty waking uh, you know going to sleep in a hotel room. So, so they may have difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep. The second thing is, of course, there may not just be enough time at night for them to sleep. So they may, you know, so the, so the number of hours may not be enough. The, the third thing is, of course, the jet lag when they travel and they cross time zones, and they now have to fall asleep at a time which is not their regular bedtime or now they have to wake up at a time that that's not their regular uh time that they wake up and of course uh, and this you know this can happen all through the season but then if once they get to the post season then it 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 may become even more pronounced because now the pressure to perform and therefore to sleep well before the uh, the game becomes even uh, more so so one of the things you asked me it was about off season so off season is is Important because if a player has a sleep disorder, so if they have any disorders like you know if they have sleep apnea or if they have insomnia or anything that they that needs to be addressed, the off season is the right time to do it do it because they ha- now have the time to pay attention to it you know once the season begins, they really don't have time to to devote to this to their to treating or managing their sleep disorder so and and one of the ways that one can manage problems with sleep initiation and maintenance is by therapy, and those kind of skills are best learned while they're off season. And players are aware of it because they they typically work on on skill acquisition, which they can use later, uh, you know, in the season. So yeah, that would be a good time for them to be seen.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Thinking about the the grand scheme of of all these moving pieces and and, and, and the research that you, you and your team have done in breaking down the whole NBA schedule. What I'm interested in is kind of the whole thing when it comes to time zones. How much would you say of a disadvantage it is for teams like sleeping in 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 an in opposing a, in a hotel room as opposed to their own homes, beds that they're accustomed to sleeping in, having to deal with playing against the team when they're now dealing with a three hour time difference while on top of sleeping in all these different locations. What, what kind of role does that play in, in do you think an actual encore performance?
1: All of us, we have a clock in our brain. It's called your circadian clock. And it keeps time over a 24 hour period, right? It keeps, it beats. Every day when you wake up in the morning, your, your clock gets synchronized to your local time by exposure to bright light. So if I'm in Detroit, my biological clock is synchronized to my local time zone. If I take an airplane and I fly to California, my, you know, immediately when I get there, my biological clock is still lagging behind and that's why jet lag is basically happens when my circadian clock and my circadian rhythms of all the cells in my body are scrambling to get synchronized to the new time zone this is important for athletes because all the things that decide performance also have a circadian timing and that gets out of whack when you're traveling And when you're traveling and you go to a new time zone, now you're you're supposed to fall asleep at a time which is not your, your normal bedtime. You're supposed to wake up at a time that's not your normal bedtime. And because of this scrambled biological clock, which doesn't understand that, which is not synchronized to the new time zone, you can have problems with falling asleep and staying asleep. Now that's called jet lag you know and it's in, it's very very important to athletes because in athletes it means that when you get to your new uh destination and typically they'll get there and the next morning they have to get up and play they may have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep at the new time zone and they may not feel refreshed the next day also you know their their peak performance is no longer synchronized and so they may they may not they may not be able to to play as well does that make sense now we have a lot of studies that show that travel can affect performance so in for example the nfl in the nfl it's they've looked at 40 years of data in which their night games in which east is um, playing the west coast and west coast beats the las vegas point spread and wins twice as often because they're at a biological advantage Right. Then there are other sports um, in other sports like for uh, for uh, Major League Baseball and the and the NBA. You know, any time you try, you you fly from east to the west coast and you cross more than two, the more time zones that you cross, your likelihood of winning gets reduced and um, you know, there was a study that looked at Major League Baseball and found that East Coast teams, when they come back after spending some time on the West Coast, they're now jet lagged and they tend to lose home field advantage and lose the first game, especially if their opponents are coming from the same time zone. Anyway, so what happens is that that we we know all of this that it, that this is happening, and so you know many times, or at least good teams will have um a sleep specialist like myself come in and explain to them um how to manage their jet lag so they they can get acclimatized earlier so they when they get to the new destinations time zone and so they can play better and the other thing I want you to know is that that performance is such a noisy thing that when you're trying to study because it gets affected by multiple things So you really have to look at the data, but I know that recently there was a study which was done in the NBA bubble because the bubble was a very unique situation. You know, these teams were not traveling, they were not crossing time zones, they were playing against each other and they had ample time to sleep at night. So really they were playing pure basketball. And what they did is they looked, the the authors of these studies looked at performance of these teams and then they compared it to, their, the, to the performance of the same team when they were traveling and found that they were actually playing better while they were in the NBA bubble, just because the travel is not, you know, was not no longer part of this, of the equation. You know, typically we think of being asleep and being awake as, as two very stable states. You're either asleep or you're awake, right? But then there are, you know, we know that there are animals, there are certain birds, There's the dolphin in which they can sleep with just one part of the brain and the other part. So for example, in birds, there are certain birds when they're flying, especially especially long distance, they can sleep with just one part of the brain so that the other part of the brain can keep the wings going and they can continue to fly. And um, again, in dolphins, you know, they can sleep with one part of the brain that way they don't sink to the bottom of the ocean. And, and now there's research that has shown that in some people, whenever they're in a strange environment, there's some parts of their brain that doesn't sleep as well. And so they're more hyper aware of their environment. And it might, be, it might be, you know, it might be a throwback to when you were, whenever you were in a new environment, you, could pro- you, know, you, you might be in danger. So your brain wanted to keep you awake so that you could protect yourself. And so there are definitely people who have difficulty sleeping, especially in hotel rooms. And so the, the, the nice thing is that if you, can, if you can identify these rookies or young players who have that difficulty, you can tailor your, you know, whatever sleep therapy or whatever um, advice you are going to give to them, knowing that they have this, they might have this difficulty, especially when they're going to different hotel rooms. But this is a, it's a, very, it is a very common. Uh, problem. And, and uh, you know, my, the other thing is that many times players who fall asleep on the plane when they get to the, to the hotel rooms are no longer sleepy because they've taken this long nap on the plane after the game. And so that's another reason why they may have difficulty sleeping once they get to the new hotel.
0: Of course. And it's so interesting to think about the challenges that might come when a team from New York goes and plays a team from Los Angeles. And not only is it the three-hour time difference, but now instead of going to bed at ten o'clock like you're normally used to, you're up in LA now. It would, would have been one o'clock in the morning here in New York yeah. because the game, the game, the game goes late, and, and obviously you're even getting back to the hotel after the game ends at 10, 10 o'clock Pacific, one o'clock Eastern. So it, it's well, definitely scary to think about.
1: Yes, and, and and think about it. I have to tell you, first of all, no NBA player is going to bed at ten. They usually go to bed at midnight or you know one o'clock or maybe sometimes later. But even the game time. So if a game begins at 7 p.m. here, that means that once you get from here to California and your game begins at 7 p.m., it's actually 10 p.m. New York time. So you're, and remember, yep. you're you know, initially, your brain is still set, set. Your clock is still set at the home time zone. So it's, you know, you're, it's when you're already starting to wind down, but the game is still beginning. And so, but yeah, that that would be a, an issue that they might have.
0: Of course, and when you, when you brought up taking naps on the planes and, and, and that, it got me thinking about, actually, it's funny, um, with my limited coaching experience coaching at the high school level, a lot of times we'll take the bus um, right after school to get to our games at 4.30, right? And it's maybe an hour-long bus ride. And a lot of the coaches recommend that the players take naps on the bus for 45 minutes to an hour because they're in classes for eight hours a day, and then now we have a game, so try to get some sleep. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is that actually helpful? Is that is that not beneficial to, to have those quick naps in? Because sometimes they're even, I find that they're even more tired and groggy when they get off the bus. What are your thoughts okay. on that?
1: So that's actually an excellent question. We should spend some time with this. So in that case, I would say it may actually not be a bad idea. So a nap, you know, so firstly, let's begin with how much sleep would like a high school athlete or a young athlete need? Typically they say, you know, they need between, Eight to 10 hours of sleep many times because of all the things that they have to do they may not get enough time to sleep at night well if you take a nap that adds up to the same hour so that's perfectly that's a good time to nap now there are a few things about naps themselves firstly is it's the length of the nap right if you took like a power nap which is between 15 to 25 minutes you get some amount of light sleep, you wake up and that's refreshing, you get enough energy for the next three, four hours. Um, a 30 to 35 minute nap contains a little bit of stage two sleep, which is a slightly deeper uh, sleep. And so it's even more refreshing. But then there's a granddaddy nap, which is like an entire 90 minute cycle. So it's a 90 minute nap. And that's what a lot of NHL or NBA players do. They take this long nap in the afternoon, which um, you know they, all the sleep cycles are in it and it's it's very refreshing the second so that's the length of the nap the, th- the the second thing to be aware of is when would you take that nap right so it's so it would be it's better to take the nap in the mid-afternoon where there's a slight dip in your alertness anyways rather than taking it too late in the evening so in that case when they're done from school and they're taking a bus and they're going to an evening game, taking a nap, a short nap on the bus ride is not a bad thing because it'll help to keep them refreshed. If, but but, but you don't want, you want to wake up within one, you know, at least you want at least two hours between the nap time and the time they're actually playing. Because otherwise, sometimes when you wake up from a nap, you're you're groggy and you don't want to be, it to be clo- too close to either kickoff or whenever you start playing the game. So that's one thing to, ta- um, to be aware of. Now those, the NBA players, that, that thing that I was talking about was when they're done with a nap or with a, with a game. And so they pack up and it's about 11 PM or 1130 when they actually at night, when they get on a plane and then they, if, if they do nap on the plane and they get to the des- new destination at say three in the morning or you know two in the morning. Then they can't sleep because they slept, they napped at the wrong time.
0: It's really interesting to think about, especially when I think about how it, it works. Some better sometimes better than others. Where if we are playing a six o'clock game and the varsity is playing first, it, it I, I I see that it does work better. The issue is a lot of times we're playing at four thirty. We get off the bus, we run into the gym, we get changed, and now we're playing t- ten minutes later. Yeah. that's where there's the most issues where guys look like they're not like zombies.
1: And then so so and that in that case, you know, it might be a better thing to have a shorter nap. So maybe, you know, 20, 25 minutes or 30 minute nap. The other thing is that they're probably, they probably look like zombies because they were, didn't get enough sleep the night before, right? And if you, if you, so if you're sleep deprived, then you're, whenever you sleep, your brain likes to get you into deep sleep so that it can make up for the fact that you're not getting enough sleep. So then even if you nap for a few minutes, because your brain knows, well, I don't know when they're going to, you you know, this person is going to give me a a chance to nap again. So I might as well get as much deep sleep as possible. And then when you wake up, you're more likely to be groggy.
0: definitely waking up in the middle of that REM cycle isn't a, Mm -hmm. isn't a really good idea when the bus just stops, lights turn on, everyone's out. Definitely transitioning over actually to coaching your sleep muscle, the the program that you have that I think is is so fascinating. Can you kind of just to start off, give us an explanation on, on what coaching sleep muscle is?
1: Yeah, sure. so, you know, when I first started, which was again, a few years ago, I was once talking to uh, my mentor, his name is Dr. Thomas Roth. And he came up with this idea because I was talking about how, you know, talking about sleep and how you can enhance sleep and work on sleep to make things better or making people play better, make their health better. And he said, well, think of it as a muscle. And so I, I, I came up, we came up with the, so um, with the catchphrase sleeping the, the um, no, coaching the sleep muscle because it was for, so that athletes could relate to it so it's, that's something that something that you can work on. To enhance and that also isn't always painless right when you when you're working out and you're trying to grow a muscle. Sometimes the workout itself may actually hurt the muscle. And, you know, when you're, when you're making changes in your sleep or making suggestions, they're not always, sometimes they're, they're maybe uh, not that comfortable. And so it was just to get that idea across.
0: Of course. And, and who are some of the athletes that you've worked with through that program? And what are some of the biggest success stories that maybe are, can be used as some motivation to say, oh, wow, like, maybe we really should be taking some of these uh, things into, into practice?
1: Well, so when the the major leagues were sending uh, their teams overseas either to Europe or to when they were sending them to uh, China, um, Asia, I would, you know, I was helping, so for example, I did some uh, management, jet lag management and travel planning for uh, the Lakers. I've done it for the Lions. I did it for the Saints. In 2019, I helped the Royal Belgium football team when they went to Kaz- Kazakhstan to play for a 2020 Euro qualifier. I think um, working with the with the Nationals was a, really a, a success story since they came from the back and they won the World Series. That was pretty neat.
0: Of course, the Washington Nationals was that, that was the year where they started off uh, playing really poorly. Right. And then yeah. they ended up, okay. Cause I remember I had Darren Haynes on the show. Um, I would say about two months ago, and he was ta- he was a reporter from the D.C. area, and he was talking about how his favorite team to cover ever was that national squad who started off, I believe, twenty-five and thirty, and it, the yeah. season was over. What what kind of went in, into that? What did you kind of start seeing sleep finally start to play a role?
1: So I, you know, in in that case, uh, during spring training, I went down uh, to Florida. I did help them. I gave them some education, and and we started uh, for that for that team all through the season, every two weeks, I would actually send them a sleep schedule. So I'd tell them on, on a chart exactly when I, want, I thought they should sleep, exactly what time they should wake up, what time they should be taking naps, what they should do when they're crossing time zones, you know, when they should be exposed to light, etc., or not. And they, you know, they did do that all throughout, but especially when they started winning, because it was really incentive to do it correctly so for example I know that once they got into the postseason you know whatever their schedule was they would send me the schedule and I would I would uh, give them recommendations of what to do and um, you know I remember that I think it was game three they lost game three and and I think the Astros got on a plane and they flew back to Houston while the Nationals spent the night and you know, got well rested and then left the next afternoon and they won the next, I, I want to say two or three games and they won the World Series. So, you know, small strategic things like that is what we did, uh, we went, did work on.
0: Oh my God, I, I love that. That's just so, it's it's amazing. To think about it. I mean, and that's another thing with flights and, and the strategy that goes into that. Obviously, the team that does it better is going to get the most sleep and be the most prepared to, to, yes. to win the game.
1: Well, so a couple of things. What happens is that when when teams are, are that good and whenever the, the competition, is, competition is between almost equally excellent athletes, then, then small things like this matter. So then whatever gives you that slight competitive edge is really worth it. And I remember that when they won the World Series, um, somebody from Yahoo News interviewed me about my work and you know, they they published, I'll, I'll share that article with you. And they published that article about how how I was sending them, them these schedules, but they also talked to the players and the players were talking about how they would look at those schedules as a cheat sheet to say, well, oh, you know, we need to make sure we get enough sleep here. Or, and, you know, maybe uh, we can make sure that we, have, we can get enough naps. And that was, it was very reassuring to hear that they were actually listening to it and they were paying attention.
0: Great and uh, awesome to think about all that. Just to wrap up, if we can do some quick fire Q and A's on some of the questions that maybe, if anyone can take something away from from this would be one of these kind of quick fire answers. This is maybe a basic one that you hear a lot of times, but in terms of a, a, gene- a, a basic guideline, how many hours of sleep should enough to be getting on a regular basis, and when would what, what's the with the preferred slot for that to be in for your circadian rhythm with the with the sun rising and 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 that and all that. So
1: number one for the average adult, you need about seven to nine hours of sleep. For athletes, the recommended amount is nine to 10 hours of sleep to get on a regular basis. Now, even if you don't get it all in one block, if you can take naps, that's a good idea. And so that's the the, the timing, the the quantity of sleep, right? But the second thing also is the timing of sleep, which is you want to try and sleep in accordance... According to your biological clock so if you're a night owl you know you prefer to go to bed late and wake up later that's how you should preferably sleep if your schedule allows you to if you're a morning person you want to make sure you get to bed on time because you know you're you know, you're likely to wake up early in the morning. So you want to sleep in accordance to your circadian clock. And the third thing is sleep quality. So you want to, when you're sleeping, you want to make sure that it takes you less than 30 minutes to fall asleep. You're asleep, you know, 85% or more of the time that you spend in bed. And to do that, things like, you know, keeping the room cold and dark and quiet and keeping it electronic free, you know, not drinking too much caffeine or alcohol close to your bedtime or not eating spicy meals too close to your bedtime, all of that helps.
0: Are there positions that you should be sleeping in, in bed to get the most out of your sleep? And and if so, what do what those positions look like?
1: So what body position you're most comfortable is best for you is the one that, you know, you're most comfortable with while you're sleeping um you know there's certain there's you know all the body positions have some advantages some disadvantages so if sleeping on your back for example might be helpful for your uh, you know if you have painful joints or shoulder joints or um it may be good for your uh, for your spine for your back issue, if you have back issues but then it makes snoring worse it makes sleep apnea or reflux worse sleeping on your side is good if you're a snorer but it might actually hurt your, you know, it may hurt your joints. Sleeping in the in the uh, fetal position uh, when your knees are drawn up to your chest actually is really good for the spine because your spine is bent in the right way, but then it might compromise your lungs. So again, whatever position you can get the best sleep in is the one that's best for you.
0: It's so interesting how um, it's, it, it's different for everyone. Everyone's sleeping uh, position is going to be different. On that note, what are some of the misconceptions that uh, revolve around sleep that that you see in the media all the time that you'd like to exploit?
1: Well, so I know that I've been talking about, you know, nine to 10 hours of sleep all the time. But one of the things that happens is that in some people, they may have difficulty initiating and maintaining sleep. So they may have something like insomnia. And for them, for that group of people, you know, talking about nine to 10 hours of sleep, uh, for peak performance may actually be detrimental and you know the the approach to sleep has to be nuanced so you know you have to be able to say um, that this is how much sleep you require but if you have a problem with sleep we should explore that, and, and we should be able to address that uh, I would say that the biggest problem that I would see in the media is the fact when they are um when they're talking about measuring something so you know nowadays there's a there's a plethora of wearable devices or something that you can put in your bed that can actually they say that says it's measuring your sleep and this thought that anything that measures your sleep actually makes your sleep better is completely false
0: have you seen wearable technology really come on the rise? Um, because everyone has, a, whether it's a right. bit or an Apple yeah. Watch.
1: Yes, it, it has, and it's just a trend. And, and actually, I I quite like it for some because some players want that feedback. Everybody wants to. There, there are people who are numbers guys and or girls who want to, you know, make sure that they're getting the correct numbers. in, as long as you don't obsess about it, so I would say that the only the only reason to wear uh, this device would be to look at trends over the next like two or three weeks to see how much sleep you're getting on say weekdays versus, uh, versus weekends or uh, on your non-working days. I, I wouldn't pay that much attention to, you know, waking up in the morning and look, and if the device says you're not getting enough dream sleep or deep sleep, irrelevant information. What are you gonna do with that? There's no, you know, and, and, and they're not, most devices are not very accurate when it comes to that either
0: got it so it's mainly just a tool to just it's basically having a sleep diary like the way that you give it to your players but it's just easier for the everyday person to just have it do it done automatically
1: very good that's exactly it
0: okay awesome because i I definitely might get sometimes get caught up in the numbers and say oh my god it's telling me that i'm at five percent or that i'm i should i should be tired but i feel fine definitely right right. well
1: and the other thing is that there's nothing you can do about it right i mean if if it if it's telling you you're getting less deep sleep well what are you going to do about it? The only thing you can make a difference in is making sure you get enough time in bed because that will make sure that you're getting enough sleep.
0: Dr. Singh, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it and learned so much hearing from you and the things that I'm going to obviously apply into my own sleep schedule and my own life. And obviously the advice I give to, whether it's my players or my friends and family. So thank you so much for that. And if you could please let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and and, and see you. Uh, see your impact on the quarter football field next.
1: Okay. So I am, uh, I am on LinkedIn, Mita Singh MD. I do have a website. It's called Mita And then I'm on Twitter. It's at athlete sleep MD one. And on Instagram, it's athlete sleep MD. And um, you know, you can g- get in touch with me on any of these four Um, uh, social media as well as the website that would be a good idea awesome thank you so much you're very welcome
0: thanks for listening to gen z hoops make sure to follow like and subscribe on instagram linkedin and all major social media platforms at gen z hoops You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.